said? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Good to be with you all. Thanks for joining us today in this, uh, I think it's our third Sunday of doing 11 o'clock service. Looking forward to all of them that are going to be joining us in the not-too-distant future as we navigate together and grow. It's been a little bit of time since I did this with you, but we're going to do it today. We are not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and He's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I want to clarify to you as we make that declaration, thank you, Justin, that we are not saying, hey, go live a sloppy life. We're all covered by Jesus. No, we're saying we're not a perfect church because the Holy Spirit is moving in us and changing us and growing us. And so we're not, none of us have arrived yet. If we've arrived, we're checking out of planet Earth. While we're growing here and God is changing us and the Holy Spirit's working on us, He's making us more Christ-like in our lives. And therefore, when you look around, we want you to know we're not perfect. We're not. But we're on a journey of perfection by God Himself as He transforms us and makes us in the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So it's not an excuse to be sloppy in your living, not in any way, shape, or form. It's for us to walk with Jesus, allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and become the church that He died to make us. He's an amazing God. Yes, He is. So, did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week, listening or reading God's Word? Did you do it? Good job. We haven't done this in a while, you know, and caught the first service off guard a little bit because I intentionally stopped for a little season because, you know, we become repetitious in what we do and we don't really, we just need to help, all right? It's a change. Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Yes. Could do some improvement there. Did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda? Yes. All right. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? So I want to help you out there, and we're going to talk about it today. See, the fact is, is that when we say we don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying, or we don't, you've got to spend some time in God's Word, because it's the clearest that God will speak to you is in His Word. So when you read the Bible, you spend time in there, God is speaking, God talks to us, and He always affirms His truth. Are you given as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? That was really weak. All right. You can go on our website and fill out a volunteer form. Um, Dale already explained to you how you can give. And uh, how about it, the talents and times with God? What about it? All right, you can do that. We do need some help in the nursery. We do still for this service, I think. Uh, we need some more people for the next month. So if you want to be a part of that, that'd be awesome. We do background checks. We also need some people in the cafe and in the uh, safety team and hospitality. So yeah, there's plenty of places for you to use your talents and your time. All right. Then you invite someone to church with you this week. There's some cards up here. We just got them reprinted, so we have them available to you. If you want to take some of those come join us cards to share with somebody, that would be amazing. Let's do it, all right? Last week, we were talking to you about time and waiting, and I want you to know I have my keys today. If you were here last week, you know that I forgot my keys and waited 57 minutes for someone to get it to open the doors for me, and uh, that, that 57 minutes was definitely timed on my part. And I waited, but maybe not as patiently as God wanted me to wait to learn and to grow in my walk with him because I need to learn what that means. So as I was walking with God and today and, and praying for this week, the very first thing I did when I came out of my room after I took my shower and stuff this morning is I went right to that basket where I keep everything and took my keys for the church, took it over and put it on my iPad so I knew I would bring this because I need this for a backup. And I put my keys there. Three times I made sure I had them. And halfway here on my motorcycle, I checked my pocket. Those are my keys, right? Those are my keys to the church. So I was actually feeling that key to make sure it's the one. I know it's a little bigger key for the church that I actually had it with me. And then I got here and opened the doors and stuff. And not shortly thereafter, James showed up and he said, I want to make sure I got here early. And it's like, 
Thanks a lot. You know, that last week would have been great. But anyway, it's all good. So we're here. And God's teaching us about waiting and patience. And we already know that when we were talking about that, how God sees time differently than we do. And he's never in a hurry. And he's never in a hurry when I am. All right? So I'm not always in a hurry. But when I am in a hurry, he seems extra slow. Our concept of time and God's concept of time are completely different. Because we are limited by time, God is not limited by anything. And so because we see everything through our watch, through the clock, we, everything in our life is viewed through a clock. God doesn't have one. So we're looking at time last week and talking about how, you know, Abraham and Sarah waited for a baby. God said, you're going to have a child. 24 years later, he said, you're going to have it next year, 25th year. Finally, the boy arrives. They're both old. In the covenant, if you know the story with God and Abraham, God told him he was going to be bless him and that his seed would become a great nation as many as the stars in the heavens stands by the seashore, right? So Abraham is told God's going to do this, but Abraham and Sarah only saw that happen right there. They only had one kid. God was going to do it through them, but they only had one. Now, as we look at this, God also spoke to Abraham and said, that your descendants will be slaves for 400 years. Church, the children of Israel in Egypt as slaves for 400 years before they ever became a nation. This was generations past Abraham and the first promise. We know this. But you know, as you think, think about our own country, we do history about our own nation, and we're not even 300 years old. They were slaves for 400 years. So the people of God, the people of covenant, the people of promised lived their entire lives. Many of them lived and died as slaves. Think about it. But they were heirs to the promise. That's crazy. I mean, that's hard for us to grasp that they were heirs to the promise of God And they were part of what God was doing. And yet their entire lives they lived and died as slaves. (laughs) You know that in in us, you know, I'm just going to speak for me, that that doesn't feel like God's plan. (laughs) I don't feel like that's being purposed or fulfilled in God's plan. But it was absolutely part of God's plan. And they were part of what God was doing. But it took 400 years for them to actually step out and become a nation. So then later on, as we follow through the Old Testament, we see that God rejected the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. And Saul did not follow God's directions. Saul did way stepped over the line and he tried to do something that only a priest should do. And God said, I'm done with him. His his reign is, is finished. I will not hear him anymore. And he will not reign over my people. Tells the prophet Samuel to go to the house of of Jesse and anoint the next king and I'll show him who it is. Jesse had seven sons. Jesse didn't even invite David to dinner. Uh, The six were there and they all passed before Samuel. You know the story. None of these. Do you have another kid? Oh yeah, he's out watching the sheep. Well, call him in. Here he comes in and God says, rise and anoint him. He's the one. So then right there in front of his family, He's anointed the next king of Israel. 
So come on, church, seriously. When God does something that profound, that amazing, that prophetic, we're getting up and packing our bags because we know we're moving to the castle. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the next king. I'm moving out. Catch you all later. God's got a plan for my life. You know what God's plan for David's life was? For the next 15 years? Not king. No, he anointed him as king, but he did not become king until he raised up through the military ranks and then was pursued by King Saul to take his own life. King Saul wanted to kill him to the point where David had to run for his life, flee out of his nation. The nation God said, you're going to be the next king for. He had to run for his life and leave. He lived in the enemy's territory for years. See, church, God doesn't work on our clock. He doesn't work with our logic. He doesn't, like, function in our reality. He functions as God. And so Joseph has this dream, comes to breakfast and tells the family, hey, I have this dream. Y'all bow down to me. Like, who does he think he is? You know what the, the immediate answer to the dream was? He was also sold as a slave, taken to a foreign land. And it was many years later, 14, 15, 16 years later, before that vision ever came true. God's not in a hurry, guys. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, God promised a Redeemer. So I'm just to let you know, it was thousands of years before Jesus came. But the Word of God says, at just the right time, God sent forth. He's amazing. But even when Jesus came, church, Jesus didn't come like God. <laughs> he came as a baby. See, God's not in a hurry. He came as a baby. He wore diapers. Now, I want you to think about this. The creator of the universe wore diapers for us. It's a pretty amazing and overwhelming thought. Grew up as a kid, rejected by his brothers. Scripture teaches us and tells us they didn't, no way. He's not the one. They did not believe him until after the resurrection. Okay, so for 30 plus years of Jesus' life, he was not approved by his own family. So he doesn't start his ministry until he's 30. Three and a half years, and then he's crucified. And he raises, and it's 50 days before the Holy Spirit comes. So like I said, God's not in a hurry. But it's amazing how confined to time I am. And how outside of the time restriction God lives. And I'm always trying to draw him into that. See, and what may appear to me and you as God's delay or God's slowness can be misinterpreted in our lives sometimes as God's affirmation of what's going on. Like it's okay, what's happening must be okay because God's not doing anything to stop it. Okay? But... God's seeming delays can be because he's waiting for me to surrender. Calling me to finally do what he asked me to do. 
It may have nothing to do with me. And he's waiting for that person that I don't even know to say yes to Jesus in their life. But sometimes when it seems like God's delaying everything, we start to get a little sloppy in our lives. So as we look at Scripture and we look into the Old Testament, God gave a warning to the prophets because the people continuously were living wrong, doing wrong, worshiping false gods, holding on to the, uh, the temple as a lucky rabbit's foot, like they knew who God was, but they worshiped him along with other gods. God's not okay with that. And so God sent word through the prophets that he was going to destroy Judah and Jerusalem. They thought it would never happen to them because it was like, you know, that's, that's not going to happen to us because we're God's people. We have the temple. This is the city promised that he would have his name here. So we're safe and secure in the way we're living. Okay. So in 605, uh, Babylon comes, King Nebuchadnezzar, like God told him through the prophets that he would, laid siege against the nation, comes to the capital city, takes captives. In the captives, we know some of them, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They also took Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a priest and a prophet of God. So we know they took them. But see, what happened was the people that were left, they were kind of like, uh-huh, God's judgment fell, and you guys were the bad guys, and we're secure. And they continue to live in their brokenness, continue to live wrong and against God. So God comes to the prophet Ezekiel with a message. Check it out. This is what he says. Amazing book. If you never read Ezekiel, you should. Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, you've heard that proverb they quote in Israel. Time passes and prophecies come to nothing. So this was kind of like a word on the street, so to speak. The people of Israel were like, yeah, never happens. So they had this false sense of security in their lives because the prophecies of judgment and, and all that that was coming weren't happening to them in the moment. So they made these little words. Time passes and prophecies come to nothing. So God says, tell the people, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will put an end to this proverb and will soon, you will soon stop quoting it. Now give them this new proverb to replace the old one. The time has come for every prophecy to be fulfilled. <laughs> Those are scary words, church. God's saying something pretty heavy. He's letting them know that their false sense of security, always thinking things will happen down the road. He's saying, well, I want you to know now is when I'm coming. There will be no more false visions and flattering predictions in Israel, for I am the Lord. If I say it, it will happen. Church, come on. Let's just praise God right now. Seriously. He's amazing. God says, if I say it, it will happen. There will be no more delays, you rebels of Israel. I will fulfill my threat of destruction in your own lifetime. I the sovereign Lord have spoken. All right. So Ezekiel delivers the message. Did you hear something in that message? Listen to what he says. It will happen in your own lifetime. So you know how people hear? Oh, it's going to happen in our lifetime. 
So it's still not today. We're safe. I got a lot of years in front of me. So the people still rejected the message. So the word of God comes again. Verse 26. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man. The people of Israel are saying he's talking about the distant future. His visions won't come true for a long, long time. Therefore, tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. No more delay. I will do it. now do everything I have threatened. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Some scary words right here, folks. Because if you've read through this section of Ezekiel, God told them through the prophet, he said, a third of you are going to die of hunger and plague within the city walls. A third of you are going to flee for your lives out in the country and you're going to be slain with the sword. A third of you will run off and try and hide, but you can't. You will be pursued and hunted down. What happened was Ezekiel had a vision of this and he warned the people that as Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army came back and laid siege to the city that they would starve to death. Parents would eat their own children. Children would eat their parents. It happened in the city of Jerusalem. The judgment of God is real. God doesn't mess around. See, God delays because he's merciful. But there comes a time where God drops the hammer. And he says, I'm done. Mercy and grace, no more. It's over. And it ends. And we live in this incredible time of mercy and grace, don't we, church? We do. We do. And because we do, sometimes we can get really, really sloppy or negligent in the waiting. As if it doesn't matter because God's not doing anything about this right now. And so I continue to do what I shouldn't do and what I know I shouldn't do because it doesn't feel like anything's happening in the moment. Or God's grace is there so I could just do it. Church, we need to understand that God is God. He is holy. And He is calling His people to live right. See, as Peter writes to the church in the New Testament, second letter that he wrote, 2 Peter chapter 3, he writes this to us. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through His apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Listen, church, do you hear what he's saying to us right there? He's saying the same things that the people of Jerusalem said to Ezekiel's message. Yeah, nothing's changed. Nothing's going to happen. We've heard this all of our lives and nothing's changed. Look, I'm not here to tell you Jesus is coming back today. I'm telling you, God's word says he will. Therefore, everything God says will happen. And it will happen exactly like he says. So Jesus is coming back. And he said, the church needs to wake up and understand this. 
that we may get to a point where we just think, well, things just go on. Everything's okay. Everything's comfortable. We're fine. That's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. That's way down the road. Whatever. Listen to what we're warned by Peter about. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Isn't that cool how God gives us a glimpse of creation in the New Testament? All these continents that we have came up out of the water and were surrounded by water. He's so cool. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. There's another judgment coming, church. And the judgment that's coming the next time is going to be one of fire. And it's not just going to be the earth. It's going to be the heavens above us and the earth. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. Again, Peter's trying to get us to understand that God is timeless. So don't get caught up in what seems like a delay to you and I. Don't let that fool you. God's good to his word. This is what he goes on to tell us. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Church, God wants every person on the planet to repent. That is God's will and God's heart. But the day of the Lord will come as an unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So friends, seriously, I, I don't, I'm not saying this as a joke or anything, but if you know any, any of your uh, Jehovah Witness friends, I always use the scripture for them. Because they think they're trying to work their way to live here on the earth. False doctrine and false teaching. God's word tells us that this place is getting burned up. I tell them, you understand that you can't live here? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be consumed with fire, the fire of God. It says so right in his word. I don't want to be here when that happens to you. Don't wait. Let's read on. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live <laughs> looking forward to the day of god and hurrying it along it's like even so come quickly do you remember how john wrote that come quickly lord come now the church in our modern day is like can you just wait a little while longer i got stuff i want to do i don't want you to come back yet i got plans hurry it along god's word says come on lord Come on. Come on. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. 
And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Anything else? So God's patience is so that people repent and change their life. And those of us that know, He tells us we're supposed to be living holy lives. God's not slow in anything that He does. He's working His plan to perfection. Yet just as in Ezekiel's day, we can interpret that day of grace and mercy and that delay of God's coming judgment or the end of all times and bring a false sense of security in living our sloppy lives. In the Word of God, we're saying, Peter is writing the church saying, look, this is going to happen, therefore you need to live right. You need to be living holy lives, pure, blameless lives before God. He knows everything. Not a false life in front of church people or your own agendas. He's saying you're living a life before God. Holy, godly, peaceful, pure, and blameless before God. Huh. So church as we listen to that list of saying, this is what God's looking for in His people, like, you know what the Holy Spirit's whispering in our hearts right now? See, we're being reminded in the Word that we're coming before God. Everything is coming to an end. And we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable, you know. So, I said this before. I say it's been, everybody thinks He's coming back soon. But nobody thinks soon is today or tomorrow. It's soon, but it's out there somewhere soon. <laughs> Not today soon. And I know we don't think he's coming back today. If we thought it was today or tomorrow, we would be... I just know we would be different, and we shouldn't be different because of that. We're called to be different because of who he is. We're called to be different because it's going to happen. We're called to be different because God says, I'm, I'm looking at your life and I know and I've called you to live this way. See, that's why we should be different. Not because Jesus is coming back today. If he gave us a little flash up here on the screen and he showed up and said, hey, six o'clock today, Mountain Standard, I'll be here. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure there'd be a lot of repenting going on. I'm pretty sure there'd be a lot of people being contacted. I'm pretty sure. And so as I look in the Word and He says this to us, it's like, you know, why is it that we're struggling so much in the moment when we know what we know about the future? <laughs> we have this false sense of tomorrow in us. It's crazy. It is. It's so crazy. I, I know I feel it inside too. I'm not, I ain't no different than you guys. I totally expect to go in my bed tonight and wake up in my bed tomorrow morning. 100%. I don't have anybody scheduled to come over and feed the horses and all that stuff tomorrow morning. I plan on doing it. I plan on being here. You know, and so with that idea of always tomorrow, we can grow a little bit wishy. You know? We've got to live in obedience to God in every area of our life. 
Holy Spirit's faithful, man. He's talking to us. He's calling us, and He's talking to us about specifics in our life. In Revelation 22, at the end of the book, the end of the Revelation, here's Jesus speaking through the prophet John. This is what it says. Jesus saying this. Are you ready? This book was written as the last book written in the, the Bible, date-wise, probably around 96 to 102 A.D. is when this book was written. Listen to the message Jesus gives at the end. Look, I am coming soon. So, you know, when we read that, we're like, it's been 2,000 years, man. <laughs> but remember what Peter told us? Time is irrelevant to God. It means nothing. It's going to come as a thief in the night. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. You're going to be unexpected. And, and as much as we expect, I want you to please hear me correctly. I'm not being, I don't want to come across as, as harsh to the prophecies and all this stuff. But you know, as strong as the prophetic voice has been going around these days through these um, COVID election stuff and all the things that are happening in our country, you know, as much as people have been sending forth like prophetic end times YouTube videos and conversations, listen, see, the fact of the matter is, is that we still think it'll be tomorrow or next week or next month because it's going to catch us unexpectedly. So if Jesus came back today, I'm telling you right now, church, you know this, I know this, everybody out there knows it, we would not expect him to come today. As much as we talk about it, as much as we see it, as much has been said to us, we don't think it's today. It would totally catch us off guard if it was today. If it happened right now during church, it would be unexpected, wouldn't it? Seriously. We have to be real with this and understand it. So I'm looking and Jesus says, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Oh, I'm going to give a response to my, the way I live now. Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. He's the A to Z in the alphabet. I'm everything. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm it. Understand, I'm it. I'm coming. It'll happen soon. And when I do, you're going to answer. So I look at that and I'm like, wow, whatever day it is then, Lord, I need to live ready. Ready for God, good to his word. Ready for God, good to his word. So we get nervous and people think like, you know, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not supposed to be Jesus, you're supposed to be coming Christ-like. And the way that happens is through my surrender of whatever the Holy Spirit's talking to me right now about. And what happens a lot of times is we begin to um, negotiate with God. We try and talk around things that we know God's talking to us about. Because church, if you are walking with God, praying, reading your Bible, attempting to live for God, the Holy Spirit's talking to you about something in your life. He is. Because none of us have arrived, right? So then if God's talking to us about something in our life, what he's asking us to do is change something in some aspect, in an act of obedience. 
to stop doing something or start doing something. I mean, it's as simple as that. He is doing and speaking something in every one of our lives. He is. Therefore, if he is, we better act. And we better do it now. I mean, we don't have to delay. Why would we delay? Why are we trying to talk around it? So, I'm on my action steps. We're going to do this somewhat quickly. What would you change right now if you knew you were giving an account to God today? What would you change? Like, if you know what that is, then change it. <laughs> right now, change it. If it's something you need to repent of or stop doing or start doing, whatever it is. I mean, I don't care what it is. You know, and the Holy Spirit knows. So whatever it is, you need to do it. If you don't know what it is and you're kind of like, well, I don't know, I get confused with stuff. Listen, uh, this is the best thing I can help you with that is, is that if there's a certain thing that keeps popping up, it's probably God. Okay? And if when it pops up, you're trying to justify it, that's pretty much assured it's God. And if it keeps coming up in various settings, not just a church, not just in a devotional, not just in a message, but it's coming up in different places, then that's the Holy Spirit. You need to stop with the, you know, end arounds. You got to stop with the debates, stop with the justifications and need to surrender. Whatever it is, church, God's talking to you. If you're trying to justify something in your life, if you're trying to get something validated by others, stop. God's faithful, and he knows. God is good. You ready? Would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, you're so faithful to us. We trust you fully. God, as we listen to your word, as we hear the message, as we sang the songs today, you're calling us to this place. And God, you're asking us to be all in, to live godly, pure lives blameless before you. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission to come and to convict us. Would you let him? Church, will you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you where you need conviction? Because Jesus said he's going to come and convict of sin and of righteousness. He's going to only speak the words that Jesus tells him to speak. That he's going to convince the world of a coming judgment that, that he is doing all these things. And so he is. If you let him do it, we're going to wait before him right now. Holy Spirit, be faithful to the word Jesus said you would be faithful to. Whatever it is, God, we ask you to bring it up. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So as we wait before him, see, it can be a word that comes up. It can be anything. But he's faithful. We rebuke the enemy and the liar in Jesus' name. We speak against his confusion and the other voices that he tries to cause confusion with. And we dismiss them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, only you may speak. Whatever it is that you hear him saying to you, church, whatever you feel the promptings of, whatever that sense is, whatever you've heard throughout this week, what's been going on, just give it to God right now, would you? Just give it to him. Yes, Lord. I'll give it to you. Right here. Right now.
Altars open if you want to come and do it here. Do it where you are. But before we leave, let's get it right. Let's not walk out of here with anything, anything that we're holding on to that we know that the Holy Spirit's talking to us about. He loves you. God bless you, church. You're dismissed.